right, so yesterday morning, and this happened yesterday, Mike. we interviewed Joe Marino, who's the Locked On Browns podcast host. We interviewed him yesterday morning. G and Bull came in early to do this interview to get some insight into Ken Dorsey as a play caller and a play designer, and we're going to react to this interview. It's about 10 minutes long, but some really good insight from Joe Marino. This is from yesterday morning, the Locked On Bills podcast host talking about Ken Dorsey as a play caller and a play designer and how it will fit in here in Cleveland. Take a listen. Joe, Ken Dorsey, the new offensive coordinator of the Browns. There's mixed feelings about it. Uh, Probably if he would have left the Bills last year for whatever reason after the season and come here, people would have been excited. But because of how it ended for him in Buffalo, uh, it seems like he's taking the blame maybe for something that wasn't necessarily his fault. I don't know. You watch them every day. You have a better feel for the Bills, certainly. What's your take on the whole situation and what kind of hire it was for the Browns? Yeah, there's a there's a lot to get into with this, and Ken Dorsey obviously had a big job filling the shoes of Brian Dable uh, when Dable left to become the head coach of the Giants, and he was Josh Allen's preferred choice to be the offensive coordinator, and then I think you just saw a lot of mixed results. You look at his first season, and there was some good, but then down the stretch, they really became this low-efficiency offense that leaned into these throws down the field, and it was low-percentage throws left and right, and there was an offense that was completely reliant on big plays. And then you move into the next season and you try to become this 12 personnel offense and you become, you try to become an efficient offense and you just don't have the big plays. And so I felt like throughout the entire year and a half that Ken Dorsey was the Bills offensive coordinator, the team really had an identity crisis where they couldn't figure out exactly what they wanted to be. And I could appreciate how multiple they tried to, to become. The problem was there was just no bread and butter that they can lean into. And you saw some streaky moments and um, it was overall inconsistent. I think that he deserved to be fired, and I think that the proof is in the pudding in how much different the team looked under Joe Brady. And it's not that I don't think Ken Dorsey's a fine offensive coordinator. I think there's a certain style of offense that he wants to run and certain players that would work well with him. I just don't think he was the right coordinator for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and I think that as time moved along, that became pretty clear, especially as he had the opportunity to have you know, two off seasons to really install and build it in the way that he wanted to. And you to get a season and a half into this thing and and still wondering what the heck the identity is, you know, it just wasn't clicking. And so I'm fascinated to see what this looks like in Cleveland because of Kevin Stefanski, right? He's an offensive minded head coach. What, what type of role does Ken Dorsey have here? I'm, I'm guessing he's not a play caller. Is he installing his system? Is he just helping Stefanski coordinate what he does? Right. So I think I have a lot of questions about, how this all works together in Cleveland, if you had to ask me, okay, if Ken Dorsey was coming in to install his offense and be the play caller, I would tell you that I think it's a terrible fit for 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 Deshaun Watson and the style of quarterback that he is because what we learned about Ken Dorsey is he's very much a type of offensive coordinator that has answers baked into everything that he calls. But what has to happen is everyone has to be on the same page and see it the same way or else it doesn't work with any level of efficiency. And Deshaun Watson is not a very quick-triggered quarterback that I wouldn't say is a fast processor, right? He's more of a a visual thrower that can function off script. I don't know that that would be the great marriage that you would love to have, but I don't think he's coming in to do that. And so I'm wondering, you know, how does he complement Kevin Stefanski and what type of role does he really have as an offensive coordinator with an offensive-minded head coach that I presume is going to continue to be the play caller? Uh, Joe, you know, Though the thing that always that always hit me was, 
it just seemed like, you know, the Bills always drafted defensive guys. Um, you got Stefan Diggs. If I had Josh Allen, I would overdo it. I would say, okay, well, look, Josh is going to be our guy. He's going to want to throw the ball downfield. It just seems like it was almost like maybe Dorsey wanted another piece. If he wants to throw the ball downfield, me need another part. Hey, can we go get another guy to go beside Stephon Diggs? And, and you look at it. I don't think Tua is that great of a quarterback, but when you have Waddle and Tyreek Hill, it puts you on a level where you can do certain things. Did, did you guys, did you ever have a problem with the offense and say, well, listen, do we need more with this? Is this going to be enough to get over the hump? Well, I, I think there's probably an argument to be made there where I would where I would steer that conversation is, no, the Bills didn't invest a ton of like high draft picks in offensive talent, but they did in free agency and with trades, right? Like they, and I think they did something pretty smart, and I think a lot of teams potentially make a mistake doing this. They didn't put a developing quarterback around developing weapons, right? For Josh Allen, a, a raw quarterback coming out of Wyoming, instead of drafting a bunch of young players to develop with him, they went out and got veterans. They traded for Stephon Diggs. They signed John Brown, who had 1,000 thousand yards. Cole Beasley, who had the best seasons of his career in Buffalo. Uh, veteran offensive line talent they kept on acquiring. And so I, I think that's really what it came down to was, yeah, they didn't invest a, a lot of draft capital in offensive players, but they brought in veterans to put around Josh Allen. And I think that actually makes a lot of sense. I think where perhaps the Bills made the biggest miscalculation on the offensive side of the football and, and building around Josh Allen has been at wide receiver too. And this belief that Gabe Davis, it was going to become this option. That's going to make teams pay for really caring a lot about Stefan Diggs. And so I think the disconnect between the reality of Gabe Davis and what the team wanted him to be, I think that's where you kind of got off the rails. Joe, I want to go back to what you said initially about, Hey, if Dorsey's calling plays, you think it's a bad hire. Uh, we don't know yet what's going to happen in terms of calling plays. I'm hoping that Kevin Stefanski still calls the plays no matter who they hired. Obviously, you've covered the Bills, so based on your opinion, uh, it seems even more imperative that Kevin Stefanski continue to call the plays. The only thing I would argue about, you know, there's been a lot of talk that the Bills' offense was better after Ken Dorsey got fired. If we look at some of the advanced numbers, Mike, if you could bring up that graphic again, obviously the turnovers went significantly down. Uh, after the firing, and, and Josh Allen, you know, a big part of that, obviously, the turnover. But if you look at the uh, points per drive, they were actually better with Dorsey. And the success rate, I don't know how that's how that stat is figured out. Uh, it was better. So, uh, But the big difference is the turnovers. I mean, do we? is there a reason why Ken Dorsey is to blame for the turnovers? And are you surprised by that statistic that they actually scored more points per drive with Ken Dorsey? Yeah, whenever you whenever you watched the Bills offense under under Ken Dorsey, statistically was it was never the issue. Production's never the issue. Josh Allen's a quarterback. He's going to score points. He's going to score touchdowns. He, most touchdowns in the NFL this season by uh, a significant margin. Yeah, I, I think what it came down to was the intent and design of the play calls under Ken Dorsey. Uh, it just didn't it didn't match up well with the style of quarterback that Josh Allen was. And it felt like Josh had a big identity crisis with Ken Dorsey, whether it was, okay, we're going to become this vertical passing offense. Okay, we're not going to run Josh Allen. You know, it, it's just like there was things that they've never found threading the needle between when to be aggressive, 
when to be efficient, and I thought that led to a disjointed scheme. And right. I thought what happened was I think Ken Dorsey's a good play designer. I don't think he's a very good play caller in terms of how he sequences, layers things together. There, there just felt like there's a lot of meat on the bone. You're watching uh, Josh Allen execute full field reads, but there's his first reads completely to his left. His second read is completely to his right. There's nothing coming back into his vision. Like there's just a lot of disjointed when you watch that offense under Ken Dorsey, and it was very refreshing when Joe Brady took over because all of a sudden you did see the intent. You saw motion that was designed to create space. You saw more of an identity for what the team was going to be. You saw Josh Allen having fun again. I mean, the guy looked like he was was had uh, been through a, a turmoil under Ken Dorsey with hmm. just the, the way that he was talking and was using weird words like low positive, right? I guess I don't think it was a good marriage. And I, and I, I think that Ken Dorsey deserves another opportunity to be an offensive coordinator. I just don't think it was with Josh Allen. I think that if you give him a robotic quarterback that understands how to read coverage and say, okay, the, you got middle of the field closed, we're going to throw the ball outside the numbers, middle of the field open, we're going to work it to the you know, middle of the field. You know, everyone's got to be on the same page with route adjustments. You know, if you want, if that's the type of quarterback, you got a Joe Burrow, you got a Kirk Cousins, you got one of these top tier processors in terms of, you know, anticipation and reading coverage and everybody being on the same page. Ken Dorsey's going to be great. But when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen that just physically can do anything on the football field, when you don't really allow him to play within him being the best version of himself, I think that that's what took away from, you know, him being or him having uh, more consistency early on. I know that statistically there's some some good stories to tell along the way, but I think the the turnovers going down speaks to Joe Brady and how that offense was designed around Josh Allen for Josh Allen to just be able to play football as opposed to trying to make him a robot. Very quick follow-up, Joe, just a yes or no. Are you buying, you know, there's been rumors behind the scenes that the the idea of keeping uh, Josh Allen in the pocket was was over Ken Dorsey's head, that that was forced on him. You buying or selling that? Uh, I, I was over Ken Dorsey's head. It felt like it was some intent to it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was there's this thought that you know keeping Josh Allen healthy and wanting him available down the stretch and being selective with when he runs and of course you know that earlier in the season is when you're going to be want to want to be less interested in that you know I think I think that you can you could feel like it was a collaborative thing but um, it certainly took away from the offense and you know at, at the time Dorsey was the coordinator so yeah. it, I don't know if I can say that with with a whole lot of confidence and you certainly asked me to to give you a yes or no yeah. answer, but I, I think it's kind of a complicated proposition. Okay. And, and we, we certainly saw a full season of it last year, and they become this, you know, down the stretch, they become this ridiculous vertical passing game, and there was just no efficiency, but they still scored points. So it's 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 a complicated situation. I, I think Ken Dorsey deserved another opportunity, and I also think that the Bills needed to move on from him. Good stuff. Thanks, Joe. Glad to do it. Thanks, guys. Do we want to go around the horn with takeaways? Like what? What was your biggest well, takeaway? Well, I mean, goal? obviously, he said that <laughs> that uh, he's not a good play caller yeah. for mm-hmm. for the type of quarterback the Browns have. Josh Allen, uh, Deshaun Watson is in the Josh Allen mold in terms of type of quarterback, and he and it's one man's opinion. He doesn't feel that Ken Dorsey's a good play caller for the type of quarterback that Josh Allen is, and for the type <laughs> of quarterback that Deshaun Watson is. I, I mean, 
I guess we'll find out if he's right. <laughs> Let's hope he's if wrong. If he's calling plays. If he's right. calling plays. Well, I like the fact that he brought up the fact where he was like, when Josh Allen first came out, they did, they hired, got a bunch of veteran players around. That was him. smart. That's yeah. smart. And then you think about Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. It's kind of been the opposite. He's got Amari Cooper, who's a vet. And yeah, you went and got Elijah Moore, but he's still a young guy who hasn't proven anything. And then the next guy was Cedric Tillman, who's a rookie. So. Right. I think that maybe when you think about G's over, what's it called? Operation, what stockpile. is it? Stockpile. When you think well, of that, you got to get him some, some more. But Tyvis, first of all, to be fair, Deshaun, Josh Allen's a rookie. Deshaun Watson's not a rookie. Deshaun Watson missed how many seasons? Uh, he two, missed one and then he the, didn't the, play the, 11 games, and now he's, he's here. Yeah, so but the conversation was with Josh coming in, you didn't want to put him with a bunch of young well, players. Essentially, Deshaun did, is coming back in. By the way, the most yeah, surprising. Deshaun has a level of experience. So that, what? Well, guys, also. He the, should be fine with talented listen, there's rookies. different ways to do it. If the rookies are good enough, it's irrelevant whether they're rookies. Sure. Right? Look at the Texans. Well, the rookies yep. ain't Their good best enough. receiver was a rookie. Their second they, best receiver is in his fourth year. Their running backs are not old. They didn't have. They weren't loaded with veteran players. Well, they obviously know how to draft receivers. We have no track record of <laughs> drafting well, anybody. Yeah. Gee, what, what was your biggest takeaway? Well, my biggest takeaway is like he feels like he didn't fit what they were doing. And it was a philosophical change. If he wants to throw vertical routes, that's why I asked him the question. If you want to throw vertical routes um, and, and that's what you want to do, if they're going to bring him in, that's I'm fine with it. But you can't have you can't have mixed bags of of uh, of ways we're going to do it. It got to be all one way. If you want to throw the ball downfield, we're fine with that. You just got to be good at throwing the ball downfield. And to do that, you got to have receivers. I always look at the, what's the name? I always look at the, the Bills and it's malpractice. If you got a franchise quarterback, you know what I would be doing? I would have, I would have three of the best receivers you see, you've seen. And, and, and that's how you got like win. what Miami's done. Yeah, yeah, you can't because here's the thing. Well, Miami doesn't have three guys. They have two. They got two great ones. They no two. one has three. No great ones. Like, but I'm saying, Bigs and Gabe and big play game. Big, I see big is, play game. I don't know that Waddle. I wouldn't call Waddle great. I think he's good, but he, he's mm. very good. I, I, I'm he, not putting him in the great category. I, for me, outside of maybe Philadelphia, which team has two receivers that you would more rather throw to? I'd rather have the Bengals receivers. Well, good point. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. the, for now, yeah. although Higgins. And, and, no, but I mean. I think it's the Bengals, yeah. Philadelphia, Miami. Yeah, sure. And, and, oh no, I might take Miami over. over uh, you know Cincy. what? The, you know what it's like, man. This be cracking me up, man. Listen, you ever get to a point where you know you? I was looking for a house at one point in time. You live in an apartment. Mm -hmm. You go to somebody else's house. You be like, dang, man, this house is nice. They got a basement. This is crazy, man. They showing you all the new stuff they got. Mm -hmm. Then, then you come up six months later. You're like, man, listen, I'm looking for my first house. You show the picture, and then they tell you, oh, you don't need all that. What you need that deck for back there, boy? You, 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 why, why you why you driveway so long? And you don't even need five bedrooms. You need three. My question is, it's easy for dudes running around here with these good-ass receivers telling me <laughs> David Bell is good enough. No, 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 no. I like Waddle. Who said David Bell's good enough? I, I, I'm just bringing it Yesterday, back to Yesterday, Tyvis did. No, 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 Bell, no. I said three touchdowns. I think we're all in David agreement. Bell. The Browns need... A, another frontline wide receiver. Hey, don't you yes, tell no me. Doubt. Hey, yes. chat. But hey, they don't need two. I, you okay. know. Hey, chat. Hey, chat. Uh, don't you tell me about no Cedric Tillman. You got to stop that. I, I didn't like him when they drafted him. Yeah, they, that's malpractice. Just get, get that out of here. I'm going to tell you right now, chat. But so, I'm okay. So, listen, so the, I'm okay the, with the Elijah Moore being him the three. Already? But yeah. wait a second, G. Dang, I'm okay with Elijah year. Moore being my third receiver and Cedric Tillman being my fourth. I just need a better second or 
even another first. No, nah, I, I need to slide Elijah Tillman. Elijah, same person. Elijah Tillman. It, I, if, if, if you go, don't, if you go, combi- if you gonna combine them, give me Elijah Tillman, and I'll put him in the third. Well, wait a second. <laughs> Gee, wait really, a he'd be the fourth because Njoku would be your there you go. second. I want to be on record. I want to be on record saying this. I was a year early. Elijah, Elijah Moore that I was talking about. Oh, so you're still riding next year. Next year. All right. Hey, learn the hard way. Elijah Moore. Big uh, season hey, next year. Watch listen, what I say. You know what I told you here? At the end, the people that drank the Kool-Aid did die. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask oh, you guys I this. Ride with it now. Let me ask you guys this. If the Browns signed Pittman, T. Higgins, or Marquise Brown, right? One of those three I'd guys. I think Pittman. Or Higgins, either I, one. I would be if they signed one of those three guys, I'd be fine if they did essentially nothing else in the I'll position. I'm with you. I'll take Kyle I'd be on you know, draft another guy, fine. But if that's then the you've got Amari, one yeah. of those guys, and, and Joku, yeah. that's good. That's, that's, that's right. good. All right. That's we really got a guest. We got a so guest coming go. on, and we got a, a very interesting discussion I have with Chris Rose after a quick word from FanDuel. It's Super Bowl season, and anyone who celebrates better be celebrating on FanDuel America's number one sports book. If you're like the UCSS squad, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And FanDuel has so many ways to help you end the season with not just one win, but two or three or four. Not only can you bet on the winner of Super Bowl 58 on FanDuel, you can also bet on which players will score a touchdown, how many total points will be scored, and so much more. Right now, new customers join today, and they get $200 in bonus bets if their first $5 bet wins. So just visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Chris Rose recently sat down with Albert Bell, a Cleveland Indians legend. Here's a little preview of what Albert Bell said to Chris Rose, and we'll bring Chris on to talk about that discussion. Does anybody ever walk past you and just yell out the name Fernando Vina? I tell people, I say, Fernando Vina, he got up, dusted himself off, and like he was going to come after me, and I'm like, bro, it's not going to look good, me whooping up on you. And I told him earlier not to come in the baseline because it happened on Eddie Murray's at bat a couple innings before. Eddie Murray in the first first at bat, he hits a ground ball to him, comes in the baseline and tags me, and they caught me off guard, and I was like, Oh, don't do that again. You know, sure as shit, Eddie hits the same ground ball. I thought he was going to pitch it. He came in and I knocked him. I was like, I told you don't do it. But here's the funny thing. The next week, Chad Cruder does the same thing for the White Sox. He plows, knocks the guy over, breaks up the double play. The White Sox end up winning the game, and he's a hero. When I got to Chicago in 97, Chad Cruder was kind of busting my chops about that. He was like, you didn't hit him hard enough. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Chris Rose sitting down with Albert Bell. Um, what? What's your big takeaway from the interview? What did you make of it? Well, one of the reasons I wanted to do it was obviously as Clevelanders. I don't think we ever got to say like a proper goodbye because he went to our arch rival in the division and he came back the next year and was flipping us off and people were throwing money at him and all that sort of stuff. So I actually got introduced to Albert. Yeah, I'd seen him before at spring training and things of that nature. Um, but I got kind of reintroduced to him last year and we kind of became texting buddies. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my shot here. So I ended up asking, him. I said, Hey, listen, Albert, I've got a couple of podcasts with John boy media. And I'd love to have you come on because I don't think people remember how great you were. There's a whole generation of people who've seen some snippets of highlights of you on YouTube and that's about it. 
And so I just thought it was really good to get a bunch of stories out of him. It seems like he's in a really, really much better place than he was during his playing days and probably for a few years after that. Uh, is he a perfect human being? He is not. Um, we talked about regrets. We talked about the way he left Cleveland. We talked about a lot of different things, but he was very open. I, because I'll be honest with you, Jay, I was, I was kind of walking on eggshells about it. I was excited <laughs> for the opportunity. But when you're talking about a guy who, even though you're Zooming, you feel like could put his fist right through the Zoom and knock you out. But he was great. He was great. I, I'm so glad to hear that. Right. And uh, my, ju- and I just saw a snippet. First of all, is the podcast up yet? It is. So on our on our How JM baseball, you, yeah, on our JM baseball YouTube channel, uh, it's right there. The Chris Rose rotation. You can just go to our Twitter feed at Chris Rose Sports, and there's there's a link there, and it's well worth it. I've heard from a lot of Cleveland sports fans Good. that didn't even know it was coming out, and they've just really really enjoyed the hour. He <laughs> seems happier. He does. I've never I've never seen yeah. him smile before. So yeah. you got you got you got a smile out of him in that clip. I think it's the first time I've ever seen Albert Bell smile. You know, you know, Chris, man, when I when I go back and look at those Indians teams, for me and a lot of people, you know, there was other guys like Ramirez, there was other guys like Tommy and Lofton, but for me, it was Albert Bell. I mean, Albert Bell mm-hmm. he bought a whole no, he in the African American community, baseball had been waning. And when we saw Albert Bell and the way he played, he played the baseball like it was a physical game. Like he was the first dude to interject physicality and intimidation. To me, he was the start of the, the renaissance in Cleveland. And I, I mean, that guy was just, it was, it was tremendous. I think he nailed it um, on a lot of levels there. He played pissed off. And one of the first questions I asked him was, did you enjoy playing baseball? Because it looked like you were perpetually angry. And he had a real fascinating answer about it. And he did mention that there was a little bit of a facade with him. He said, I kind of, and then I kind of bought into that. And so that's who I had to continue to be. Interesting. And I thought that was really fascinating. Um, he mentioned several times throughout the interview how much he regretted not getting a championship, but that the lasting memory for him was turning the franchise around, not going to the playoffs for 41 years, and then not only getting there, but making a run all the way to game six of the World Series is something that he's really, really proud of and rejuvenating a city um, with a bunch of young guys that grew up together in the minor leagues and then the major leagues and moved stadiums and made Cleveland the place to be in the mid-90s in baseball. I mean, I still... I still remember the first time I ever walked into Progressive Field, which was Jacobs Field back then. And I remember I went with one of my brothers and I turned to Pete and I was like, can you believe this is in Cleveland? And it was just amazing. Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to watch the whole thing today when I get home. Uh, did you uh, probably our younger fans have no idea that when he first came to the big leagues, his name was Joey Bell. Mm-hmm. And then, his, then he changed his name. I, I thought I'd read that he. That happened when he went to rehab or something that he wanted to change. Did you talk about the name change at all? Did you get into that? Or was it just not something you went down that road? No, we didn't go down that road. uh, Not because of I was afraid of what he would say, but there was just so many different avenues. Of course. So many stories we wanted to get out of. You know, the Fernando Vina story. There's a great one that's floating around social media where he was in Baltimore and he got hit by a pitch from Hasegawa. And he, you know, he didn't want to go take first base. Right. So we spent, you know, a good five to seven minutes on that story. 
there were things that I wanted to get out of him. Uh, you know, I told him as a Cleveland fan, I was crushed when he left. I said, I understood it. You were getting the richest deal in baseball history at the time. And I did ask him, and I think we've got a clip available here, um, whether or not there was a realistic shot of him coming back to Cleveland at that yeah, time. Yeah, I'd love and, to hear and, that. Yeah, here's how that one went. Let's listen. You know, I became a free agent, and my age was like, you ever thought about playing for the White Sox? I'm like, no, why? He's like, they want to meet with you. And I'm like, all right, you're you're pulling my leg. He's like, no. He's like, they're out in Vegas. They want to meet you, and they end up, you know, working out a deal. But I really wanted to stay in Cleveland. So Arn Teller was my agent, and he goes up to John Hart. He says, John Hart, we have this deal on the table. Can you match it? And John Hart was like, bullshit, you don't have that. And I was like, okay, we're going to sign with the White Sox tomorrow. And he's like, bullshit. And we're like, okay, there we go. Next day, did the interview and, you know, I signed with the White Sox. And when I got home, I guess John Hart had a press conference and he was like, yeah, you know, we knew all along it was like all about the money and, and this and that. So that's when I ended up going to Chicago. That's a pretty hefty game of chicken. Oh, that's that sucks. Tough to... That's tough to hear for us Cleveland fans. You, you are um, kidding. Yeah. My guts just ripped out of my body. <laughs> like it just happened. So it, oh, my God. God. So we just never spent. John Hart, John Hart did a lot of great things. I mean, he, he helped he helped build a franchise to a point where, you know, as Clevelanders, the first 23 years of my life, um, the Indians never finished higher than third in the division. I mean, you have to think about that for a second. Like, you couldn't have tripped yourself into a third-place finish? Like, that is <laughs> – that's hard to do for a quarter century. So I want to give him a ton of credit for all of that, for handing out those contracts to the young guys, real forward thinking. There are teams that do that in today's day and age because of the blueprint that John Hart put out there. But if this is the case and Cleveland ownership did not step up to the plate, that's a hard one for us to swallow. Mm. I mean, we could have had it. He could have been the greatest player in the history of this franchise far and away. I mean, it's possible he is anyway, right? with what he did. If he wanted to stay and keep that team together, that is, but that's rough. Chris, I, I'll play devil's advocate for a second. Um, he obviously had the hip injury and mm-hmm. I, he had good years after he left here. I still think we got some really good years out of him and there were still more good years in him. But I'm wondering if John Hart, I, I don't, it just wasn't their style to pay that kind of money for a player. right? So I don't think, you know, he, he called bullshit, but I think what he was saying was, okay, fine, if you have it, we can't match that anyhow. And I don't think they ever would have matched it, even if they did take that offer seriously. I would agree with you, but I think there's probably two different things. There's the, we don't believe you that you've got that deal on the table. Yeah, yeah. If, if you look at it that way. And the other part is, hey, you know what? You've got that deal. I wish we could bring you back, Albert. But you know, listen, he and Albert did not, it sounded like, did not have a great relationship yeah. anyway. Um, so that's the way it went. So I, I give you a lot of credit. I, 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 you owned the fact that, you know, you were walking on eggshells. This was mm-hmm. a guy, I was 26 years old. I was working in Hartford, and I wanted to do a story on Charles Nagy, who was from Connecticut, and right. he was pitching with the Indians. So I went up there, and I interviewed Nagy and I was doing a stand-up behind the batter's cage and I wasn't right up against the batter's cage it was during batting practice I was just doing my stand-up and Albert hadn't even taken his swings and he stops 
he gets out of the batter's cage and comes right up to me and says, I'm working. And I'm like, I was, I was more intimidated. I'm 26. You know, I was like, what the hell's going on here? He literally said, no talking when I'm working. <laughs> and I was standing right next to Hannah Storm in the dugout when the famous incident happened where he right. just basically threw her out of his office. He used a lot of the same buzzwords. You know, this is where I work. This is my office. And I just remember thinking, I hope I never. And I interviewed him <laughs> in scrums before, but I was like, this is the one guy that I'm fearful would actually take a swing at. And, yeah. and it was a real fear. And I think you're lying if you don't admit that the, if that wasn't going through your mind when you were doing a one-on-one with Albert Bell when he was playing. Guy was terrifying. Well, the way I look at it is this way. I think there are guys on the mound who intimidated, right? Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, Pedro Martinez. All those guys were intimidating because they had a baseball in their hand. (laughs) They could control it with pinpoint accuracy and throw it 100 miles an hour. So I think that caused intimidation. I can't imagine there's too many guys that have stepped in a batter's box that threw intimidation the other direction, but he's one of them, just the glare itself. And that's why when he was sitting down with me and smiling and laughing, I was like, who are you? He's got a twin uh, brother. You had to probably think it was his twin brother. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't used to that sort of stuff. So it's, you know, it it was fun. I'm happy I did it. Uh, I know that some people, whatever would say, Hey, why didn't you cover this? Why didn't you cover that? Like I said, we had an hour and it it flew by. Did you ask him about the bat gate where they, I think it was Jason Grimsley climbed up over. Yeah, who climbed through the. Yeah, and and then confiscated the bat that officials, that umpire said it was court. Did you talk about that at all? Right. We did. We, um, I asked him if he gets upset when people bring that up or are you able to laugh at it now? And he said, because it is pretty comical having a guy climb through (laughs) ceiling panels into the umpire's room to go confiscate a bat. He said, no, no, I laugh about it. And he said that the thing that that people forget is that after my suspension, I actually hit better than I did before, which is saying something. So I think he kind of brushed it off more than anything else. Yeah. Um, That's so gangster, by the way. It is. It's one of the – I can't believe there's not a 30 for 30 (laughs) on just that. I'll get my bad dog. Chris, (laughs) uh, if you could only put one of these three guys in the Hall of Fame, who are you putting – even if you don't think any of them deserve it, if that's possible, the answer. But if you had to pick mm-hmm. one, uh, Albert, Kenny Lofton, or Omar Vizquel? I knew you that's was going to say that. I knew you was coming Great question. That. That's a great yeah, that's question. Good. Um, Kenny. I'm surprised that Kenny Lofton fell off the ballot as quickly as Crazy. he did. Crazy. I know. I think it was one year and out. Um, and I think, I, you know, I've, I've done enough Hall of Fame shows with writers and I don't think that they intentionally leave him off. I think they think like, well, there's somebody else that's going to vote for him. So he'll get his 5% and whatever. We'll... But when you look back at Kenny Lofton and Game Changers, yep, he's he's one of them. He just changed You know, some people say, well, he played on too many teams and he was like a hired gun. You heard that a lot with Gary Sheffield in addition to some other stuff. But he just fell off the ballot this year after 10 years on that. For whatever reason, they penalize you if you play on too many teams. I don't quite get that. Yeah. But either. What, and Chris, to that um, point, he all of his teams, for the most part, when you look at the back of his baseball card, they all went to the playoffs. And it's the same right. thing with Ricky Henderson. Ricky, Ricky although most of us of remember him as yeah. an Oakland A, yes. he played for a lot of teams. 
They were both leadoff guys. Obviously, Ricky had more power, but they were essentially, I think he was like a poor man's version of Ricky, and all of Ricky's teams made the playoffs, and all of Kenny's teams made the playoffs. I actually, I'm with you, Chris. I, I I think Kenny Lofton's the Hall of Famer of the three. Albert just didn't do it long enough. Uh, that's just, that's part of the problem. You know, and he didn't play the field. I, Al, Albert, like at his best, Albert was the best, I think, of the three. But Kenny Lofton was just so good for so long. At, I think that they do hold it against him for all the teams. I think that's stupid for me. I don't know. That's how I see it. Yeah, so if I had to rank those guys in order, it'd be really close between Kenny and Albert. I would give Kenny just a slight edge over Albert. You mentioned the hip injury. He was out by 33 or 34. Right. You know, if he had kept going to 37 or 38, I think he gets to those big-time counting numbers um, and makes it. You know, he was not a plus defender, and obviously that sort of stuff hurts him, especially in the way that, that the categories are weighed these days and how much defense factors into it. But I don't think that that should be the end-all, be-all. It doesn't have to be the most complete player in the Hall of Fame. Right. I mean, you would have a hard time arguing that Albert Bell wasn't the best bat in the American League from 91 through 99. I know that you could say Frank Thomas. I know you could say Ken Griffey Jr., who certainly missed his share of games during that time. But Albert Bell was as dominant a guy. I think he had eight straight 30 and 100 seasons. And the only other guys who did that were Ruth, Gehrig, and Jimmy Fox. I never saw any of those guys play. I heard they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, and Chris, as we go, because I know we're, Mike's wrapping us, I think, didn't he also have 50 home runs and 50 doubles yep. in a he's, season? When he's you the only think guy about to that, a double is a hard hit ball, oftentimes to the wall yeah. or it's well struck. Like, he was, I agree with you, for the 90s. He was phenomenal. If he, he, if he wasn't the best hitter in the American League in the 90s, he is certainly in the top two or three. Yeah. And quickly, I know we got to go. I had a voter, Chris, tell me, and I, did, I hadn't talked to a lot of voters about this, but a voter that you and I know and we both respect told me that with Albert came a hint or at least a crooked eye on PEDs, and it, particularly because he later had the hip injury. This particular voter told me, that a lot of times hip injuries and PED users are correlated. And they also said he had that kind of roid rage on the field. I don't, I don't know how much of that is true, but this voter at least told me he felt like Albert could have been a product of PED use. Sure hope that voter isn't on a jury anytime soon. Yeah, really. Listen, you that. you're that, right about that. That is ridiculous. That is a crappy way to go about life if you're going to yeah. look at people and because they, so I guess Bo Jackson, well, he had a hip injury, so let's throw him in that category. Because uh, there's never been anybody who's angry who hasn't been on PEDs. I've met plenty of people who are, I've met plenty of people who are assholes in my life, and uh, they do not use performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, no, um, I agree. I made the right. same arguments you made, and he said, "Look, I also Don't. kept the reason I kept him off was he didn't do it long enough." Yeah. But if I needed another reason, he was one of the guys that I looked at and I always said, I'm just not sure. Shout out to Chris so. Rose, my defense attorney. I need you, bro. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Chris. Well, Make wait, sure you check out the full interview on YouTube and Twitter on the Chris Rose Report. My, uh, my billing hours. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> He's not cheap. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, Chris. Thanks, All right, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, 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 Thanks. Everybody needs to go check out that. Uh, I, I think you said, said something that was interesting that most of our audience is young. And they, th- their idea of Albert Bell is the video where he's going like this yeah. and he's 
you know, plowing right. Fernando Vina. But I do think Which was an awesome moment. He was one Did of the you most know his exciting name was Joey? players I watched. I bet you most people don't I know. I got him. a baseball you card with Joey Bellow. Oh, yeah. I think you said that hey, last Hey, after year. he came back, you were right. He yeah. went to alcohol rehab. He came back. There was a fan who was chanting, Joey. Yeah, right, right. He took the baseball and threw it and hit him square in the chest. In the stands. That's crazy. He was crazy. I also crazy. saw him when he was warming up on the right before the game. A lot of times, infielders, outfielders yeah. will just have a toss right there in front of the dugouts. And I saw Albert having a long toss with a player. I can't remember who it was. I was on the backside of the player he was throwing to. And I saw a baseball sail about five feet over the head of the guy he was playing catch with. Yeah. And it went into a gaggle of reporters and hit one in the back. And, like he did it on purpose? Well, he laughed. Yeah. And the guy he was playing catch with, it wasn't, I can't remember who it was, but they kind of looked at each other and had a chuckle. And I said to my report, uh, my photographer, I don't think that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I don't crazy. think so either. Quick word from FanDuel. We'll move on, talk a little cash. But Super Bowl season is upon us. And happy Super Bowl season from FanDuel, America's number one sports book to everybody who celebrates. If you're like us, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And FanDuel has a ton of different ways for you to end the season with not just one W, but two, three, four, or hopefully many, many more. Not only can you bet on the winner of Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score touchdowns, how many points will be scored, and a ton of other props that are a lot of fun to gamble on. Right now, new customers who join today get $200 in bonus bets if the first bet of $5 or more wins. So make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash UCSS. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook sponsor, sponsor of the NFL. We had a bunch of winning tickets. This one came from Lamont Sanford, who adjusted 18 different lines on Ooh. Championship Sunday, hit all 18, and with the adjusted lines, turned a dollar into 85 bucks. So one into 85. Hell of a win there for Lamont Sanford on an 18-part parlay. 18. The NBA parlay. All-Star rosters. 20 get and above. That's night. how we do it. 20 and above. No, that's the new. That's the new. That's the new method. thing. 20. Me and Tyvis is 20 and above. I got 18 out of 20 last night. I'll mm. wow, crap. You might as well got one out two of 20. Po- Tyrese Halliburton couldn't give me you, two. Don't it hurt your heart? Don't you? And Drew couldn't give me one more assist, bro. Hey, bro, bro. my heart breaks. My heart breaks for you, bro. I was there. Well, speaking of potential heartbreak, Cavaliers fans could be in for it tomorrow night if Jared Allen does not get named to the Eastern Conference All-Star team. The question today isn't, do you think he will or will not? The question is, do you think he deserves one of the seven reserve spots on the Eastern Conference All-Star roster? Yes. Yes. Wow, that was quick. Yeah. yeah. Emphatic. Okay. Yeah. Listen. Ty, why? Because if you lose Evan yeah. Mobley and Darius Garland. That's not a good reason. Yes, it is. You lose two star <laughs> players off of your lineup, your team should go down. And yep. this Cavs team started off slow. And everybody said that they was done. Like, it's over with. Don't even watch them. They're not going to be the same. And this man right here raised his play to become one of the best big men in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, the man is a walking double-double every night, and he's become – actually, it's been games where he's been the direct reason why they've won games. So, yes, he deserves to be an All-Star. Man, you know what? I'm going to go on record. So, you see, I believe you got to do this. When you, when you critically, you know, go at somebody and you attack them as hard as I attacked uh, Jared Allen, 
you do that in public, you got to give them their flowers in public because he's he's turned his whole game around. Last year, I called him soft. I called he was soft batch cookies. Uh, let's see, Keebler's uh, Toll House cookies, you know what I'm saying? And ones that you put together at Christmas time with your little girl's tires. He was soft as those cookies. And I'm going to tell you what, he came back and he did his thing. He's been rebounding the basketball. He's touching the ball more. He, he, he's, he's, been, he, he's upped his, stepped his game up. And he's been one of the catalysts for this new change in how they go about playing basketball. He's been more aggressive under the basket. Look at that. 65% field goal percentage. Mm. He's dunking everything by the rim. And so, Jared Allen, I'm going to tell you what. Shout out to you. Because I don't know if you heard us after you said that statement made a bit of Bryce's a little too light. I can't believe you, you said that. You came back and said, you know what? Let me put, just put this work in. You ain't say nothing. You just put the work in. And I believe right now he's playing like one of the best centers in the league. Look what he did against the against the Clippers. Look what he did against Giannis. He holds his own in getting his 20 and 10. Uh, and I think right now um, he's definitely should be a guy that should be, uh, you know, in the all-star game. I watched the Cavs. I've seen very little NBA this year outside of the Cavs. So I'm not qualified to say. I, I, I can say this. He's, to me, my eye test, he looks like an all-star. But before I can definitively put him on the team, I'd have to measure all the other guys that are in front of him or his equal. And I'm just, I, I can't go in depth on that knowledge. So he looks like an all-star. I think he should be an all-star. But I can't say he definitely deserves to be an all-star. I would say the same thing as Jay, that I, I can't do it myself. So what I did was I read a column from Ben Golliver, who writes for, you know Ben Golliver, Mike? Yeah. Was it Washington Post or something? Yep, smart guy. So I was like, I was looking for articles about Jared Allen, and all the articles were from Cleveland writers. And I'm like, well, yeah. I can't read those because they're all biased, and they may not be watching the other teams. I need a national reporter's opinion on yeah. this. So I read a column from Ben Golliver, and he was he was saying who he thought should be on the All-Star team. And he thought that Jared Allen should be on the All-Star team. So I'm going with Ben Golliver because he knows better than me. So I'm going to vote for Jared Allen. No, be I on mean, the, the people that it's between, he's, it was Bam, Paolo, yeah, so Julius Randle, so, and Chris Stapp. I mean, all four of them is playing really good basketball yeah. as well. What's I mean, interesting, Mike, is that a couple of weeks ago, I feel like you thought he had almost no chance to make it, and now you think he, he might, or I don't know. What do you say? I think, so the question, is he deserving of an all-star spot? In a vacuum, yes, he's playing at an all-star level. Right. But there's seven spots, and most likely, Joel Embiid's the starting center. Yeah. He's voted in. That, that's unquestionable. He'd have to get in over one of these next four guys, and probably if I'm ranking of the five, I'd probably have him third. You look at the stats, Steve, take 175 full. Bam Adebayo has been the number one player on Miami this season. The stats are almost comparable. Both great defensive players. Well, Bam's numbers number are better. Bam's num and Jimmy Butler's only played half the game, so he doesn't have a Donovan Mitchell counterpart. You go to Paolo Bancaro, go I'm down with Steve. Bam. He can't get on my parlay. But the Cavs have a much better record than, the, than Miami. They do. They do. And, and once again, I'm, these are all deserving players. I'm just looking at these from a side-by-side. Bancaro's scoring numbers are a little better. His rebounds a little lower. Nowhere near the defender Jared Allen is. But Orlando's been kind of the surprise of the Eastern Conference this year. I would guess that voters want to put one guy from the Magic in. That's not how it should work, but right. it's how it typically does. And then you got Porzingis and Randall. And Randall might even be – I know he's hurt right now, but take 178, Steve. You can skip Porzingis. But if you go to 178, Jared, uh, Julius Randall's having statistically a phenomenal season. He's averaging yeah, 24 yeah. points, 9.5 rebounds. Yeah, yeah that's – 
you know, it, the competition Ooh. is very stiff Man, for a front court spot. Randall was scoring that much. Yeah, yeah he's, he having, he's having a really good season. Ain't he hurt? <laughs> he's yeah, but hurt now. You know, I, I think the fact. I mean, the Knicks are the only team of the teams you put up there that have a better record than the Cavs. Well, the Celtics. Chris that Porzingis play for. Yeah, oh, but Porzingis, oh, he, I can't imagine they won't. They want to put three Celtics in. Yeah, I, I don't think Porzingis will I, make it. I, I do think I was busting. Tyvis's balls. I almost called you Travis there for a second. I don't know why. That's a common uh, mistake. Uh, but I've never made it before. A I've known you for a year a and a half. People have. But uh, I, I, it's I think his real name. You look at Jared name. Allen's Travis. play. He's right. Ultimately, you look at Jared out. Like the Cavs were not playing great basketball before Darius and Mobley got hurt. Yeah. And so you would have thought once they got hurt, they'd play even worse. Instead, it went the opposite direction. And while Donovan Mitchell deserves a ton of credit for that, the next guy that deserves the most credit is Jared Allen. And and last 25 games, he's averaging 16 and a half and 12 and a half. Three and a third assists for a center. Look at the shooting. And the Cavs have the number three defense in the league since Mobley and, and uh, Garland went down. They have the number three defense. And he's the biggest reason why for that. So the Cavs are a good team. Uh, so I, I would put him in McNuggets. Where does where uh, where's Jared Allen uh, in the uh, plus or minus as far as defenses go? Like, cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to cook up a defensive angle on face value. I want to say Jared Allen is a better defender than all those guys you mentioned. You talk about no, that. Bam, Bam out of bio is the closest yeah, Bam one. Bio's Are you, you, you talking about defense in an all-star game? I'm just trying well, to that go, Yeah, nobody's going to play defense. No, 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 that should go into why that's, he makes that, it. Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. going into why, why he could. Yeah, but if, if defense is your strength, <laughs> yes, that's, that's an argument to leave you off the exactly, NBA All-Star yeah. Right, but, his, but his, his points and rebounds have been fantastic. Yeah, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm giving him – that's why I'm giving yeah. him credit for it. But the defensive part – Listen, the score is going to be 176 to, I mean, one, to if, 120. I'm just making an argument. I'm just making an argument why you would, he would make the all-star team right. over somebody else. It, so this year, G, and defensive win shares is probably the closest thing you could get to like a defensive rating. I'll go him versus Bam. They're almost identical in defensive metrics this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Allen's a 2.2 win share this season defensively. Uh, they've played the same uh, – Bam's played one less game, so you're looking at the same sample size. Uh, Bam's 2.1, Jarrett's 2.2, which is essentially uh, exactly the same. And their defensive box score plus minus is both in the 1.5 to 1.9 range, which is a negligible difference. So Yeah. Bam can't get on my parlay. Where is the game this year? He got me so. It's in Indianapolis. He on the list. Had a a (laughs) short little car ride for us. Had a nerd again. So he's got a legit shot. What would you say, 50-50 chance or no, lower than that? I'd say lower. So like I said, there's seven reserve spots. It's voted on by coaches. So this is just a coach vote. Yeah. I don't know, and I guess every coach would do this differently. Are you putting guys in who are going to put on the best show? Are you putting guys in I don't think coaches win? care about that, do they? I, the, no, I, and that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think they would. I'd be surprised just because of the quality of guards in the Eastern Conference. And you're looking at if you're going to get another center in. I, yeah. I can't put them over. I can't see them taking two centers on seven reserve spots is my issue. No, no so only think, one center. Well, yeah, I think Jared Allen reserve. gets squeezed out and probably makes it in. And – I know Randall's not a real center, and I think his best bet to make the roster is Randall gets an all-star spot. He's hurt right now. He won't participate. Oh, and Allen he gets takes that the spot. injury reserve yeah, you, spot. Yeah, might be right there. But he, he's playing at an all-star level. It's not like he's not playing at the level to make an all-star. Right. Not a lot not of spots. Sure if he? the spots meet their criteria. And on the Western Conference, 
there's going to be a really, really good guard who gets left off the spot. And on Friday morning, you're going to see player X got snubbed. Sure. And it could be Steph Curry. Just don't announce there. Surprised they haven't the increased to 15. Are, yeah, right. Yeah, they that's should. Not, I think they not, should, too. But that's then never again, you cut the playing time of the real stars, <laughs> yeah. and that's who the players want to see. Steph Curry the Warriors gets snipped. are below yeah, 500, okay. aren't they? Yeah. Well, let me just real quick on the Steph thing, because Earl just looked at me. He's not a starter. Most likely, three of these four guards are going to get in, and one's not. Steph, Booker, De'Aaron Fox, and there's one more. I'm, I'm drawing blank on top. Okay, of my head. then he's the guy that doesn't make it because if you can't uh, remember uh, Anthony his name, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Oh, oh Anthony Edwards is on. Yeah. I don't yeah. know he's what you're talking about. Anthony Edwards is going to be in. That's the point. His yeah. coaches know this is the fans' game. Swipe would get left off. Whether or not he's having a typical Steph Curry year or not, one of the most entertaining players to watch in the league, love him or hate him, is Steph Curry. Particularly in the All Star game because that dude will post up from behind half court. And shoot at least one three pointer in that game. I'm just and saying one of those that. four guards. Swipe is would get, not swipe would get it, left off, and, and that's it's unfortunate. No, they are. That, you're right, though. That's a long jam at guards. By the, in the way, West. you guys know who's in first place in the Western Conference right now? Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah they're they're Oklahoma City first too. place, Oklahoma and that's why Anthony Edwards number probably two. has to get Anthony in. Anthony Edwards has to get in. No, Anthony Edwards is in. So those four, who who you leaving out? They got the second. I'm not leaving Steph out. I agree. I'm just saying. Now the top. De'Aaron Fox is not going to make. That's probably even though he deserves top he's four teams the in the West out. are all within two games: Minnesota, really, really Denver, OKC, and the Clippers. And to your point that you always love to make, it's the regular season. I don't anoint any champions in the regular season. No, I think Minnesota's so, there. It's kind of a shock to a lot and, of people. And but he playing let's, in Sacramento at the end of the year. Let's see yeah, if Minnesota's in the NBA Finals. That I'd be impressed. That, by the way, interesting on the Cavs. Remember last year there was this. Sh- massive home road differential with the Cavs. Yes. Like, that yes. was such a big storyline, and I hadn't really Same been paying attention to it. At home, they're 16-8. and eight. On the road, they're 12-8. and eight. So they're better at home, but it's not the disparity that it was. La- I mean, they well, sucked yeah. on the road last year. They needed year. to get, become a better road team. So and they I'm got a 600 winning percentage uh, on the road. Speaking of home games, the Cavs got a home game tonight, and they're going to get a big part of their lineup back. We'll tell you who that is and how he's going to affect the game after – a Jace Medical Read. I know we come to sports and we go to Cavs games to escape the realities of mm-hmm. real life, but let's just take a minute to talk about getting prepared for the future. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of life-saving antibiotics right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Guys, that's scary, and we've seen some scary sporting events here in Cleveland. It's even scarier than that. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than Anthony or Earl or one of our OG members like Creative Juice, Evan419, Phil Bowman or Eddie E getting sick while a supply chain issue keeps them from their life-saving medication. But thankfully, we'll all be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, and a handful of other harmful things that could happen to any of us. So make sure you visit jacemedical.com, complete the physician encounter so it can be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and then your medications get dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at just a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So from Bull, JG, Tyvis, and myself, go to Jace Medical. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your order. Can I Darius nitpick? Garland. Can I nitpick? Um, it was good, really good. Trying to but fly you used the same four. Yeah. Viewer now. Where, where's Daryl? I we could have done point. some new people. Where's Daryl? Was just flying through that because I know we got. That was I understand. Here, I Darius Garland back tonight, guys. We saw Evan Moby make his return Monday. We were all a fan on Tuesday of how JB handled his return into the lineup without mix matching their lineups and staggering Mobley and Allen. 
What do you expect from Darius Garland in his return to the lineup tonight? And what would you like to see from JB? Limit. Well, I mean, I think he's. They should. I think that obviously he should probably start the game. Um, see how that thing goes there, because uh, he's got to find his place in this lineup. I mean, if if Donovan's going to continue to be the the main ball handler and continue to take that point guard role, then it's time for DG. Do, to, do you think he will with Garland coming back? Yeah, he yeah, should. He should. He's yeah. got to be able to play without the ball. Don't Listen, you think? DG yeah. DG has to play. I agree, but I'm not sure. That- this right now to me when I look at them and I'm not saying they're the same thing. I'm just trying to give you a comparison when Kyrie KD and James Harden went to Brooklyn together. Okay, when James Harden got there Kyrie said you the point guard. I'm not you. I'm not doing it no more James. You got it. Darius got to do the same thing with Facts. Donovan. Like you got to be. Facts. I got to work off ball. I got to. I know it's not what you want to do. I know that you are really good with the ball in your hand, and you like to. You like to be a facilitator. But just like Donovan just did, he just had to change his whole game, and he's a better player because of it. Now you can become a better player because you can work off ball and you can show that you can create your own shot. And you all think of those Darius things. will do that? He has no choice. Or, or he, he well, goes, we he hope. Goes, that goes, we have, that's listen, the team's. Make I'm trying to keep. Him, I'm because, trying to keep him in the starting lineup. That's what I'm saying. To be okay. In the so if you want to be a start, well, I I agree with everything. Because you said. if not, I'm not sure the Cavs see it that way. If if not, if not, then you can come off the bench. And you can be the facilitator that you want to be. You could facilitate. You just have to do it with the two. You could facilitate with them too. I, I think you could have both, right? Like, you're not going to play him 12 minutes. So there's going to be. I think he's got to adjust his game, just like other people have to adjust yeah, their I game. Agree, That's I agree, but I'm still going to see if the Cavs see it that way. But yes, the Cavs will be better if, when he's playing with Donovan, he's essentially the two guard, right? And Donovan's running the show, and, and you checkerboard and he's their minutes. One of the guys yeah. out there. Yeah, I'm not saying he got to do it for the whole game. But when Do- Donovan sits for some time. When Donovan sits, then he takes over during but, those minutes as right. the point guard. Because and you lose nothing. If there was right. one knock on Darius Garland, Mikey, you could say it. He's a guard. Sometimes you play guard. Look, sometimes guard get infatuated with dribbling the ball all over. The, he dribbling all under the basket, turning around, dribbling some more. And then he looking for a high handoff lob. That ain't how we've been playing. <laughs> Hopefully they showed him them game tapes like, hey, yeah. you see that corner? Go stand over there and wait to get this ball and, and be a knockdown shooter. Yeah. He's going to have to switch something up. He dribbled too much to, to be on the, in his offense. And that don't mean he can't if he gets a pass take it to the basket. Yeah. No, yeah, he can do but, that. But, yeah, we don't want to become dribble, 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 dribble because that's the team's playing their best basketball in two I, years. I hope that that's the way the Cavs see it and that Darius is voluntarily willing to go into that role. Yeah. My fear is... When I said, well, what if he doesn't? You said, you looked like you were getting ready to say, well, then you have to get him up out of here. No, that's not. All right, he's my favorite Cavs player. Okay. I'm not trading him. Yeah, well, the thing is you can't <laughs> because of the two, I, I think Donovan is viewed more as the short-term player. Here. I agree. And so but the, you got to be careful that if you put him in that role and he doesn't want to do it, Next thing you could be seeing is him coming up for and saying, I want to trade. Well, we can't we'll, we, we, listen. Well, this is what I'll say. I'll say that in his career is going to come a time where you got to learn how to do something else. You can't sure. just be a one trick pony. You got to right. be able to do other things. Donovan Mitchell, everybody else on this team has done it outside of Jared Allen because he ain't shooting no threes. But everybody else has has something on their game where something's happened and it's been forced to work on something and they've translated it to the game and it's brought success. Right. Why is he any different? No, I agree with. Listen, I 100% agree with you. 
But as you know, players don't always see it that way. That's right. He can still do his yeah. thing. Like, I'm not I taking the ball. But he's I'm not taking. Yeah, he I'm may not say, taking oh, the ball. No, I'm the point, and yeah, I'm, we don't I'm not taking I mean, the ball out your hands hey, like that. Like, hey, he ain't I, proving it's nothing. Not what you this. think hey, I'm hey, saying. Hey, you know what you do? You you, you pull out this phone and you, you tell him, listen. Hey, they'll be like, who is this? Oh, that's Colin Sexton. Don't be. That's what I. Listen, that's what I'm leaning towards. Don't do yourself. We remember how that thing came around. Don't don't do that. Colin Sexton is what is a top guard right now in the West. Well, you don't believe that. Look, He's listen. a scorer. Is he, one trick McNuggets, is he not doing his thing? One what does he do besides pony. score? Colin Sexton. He scores. He can score. Yeah, he's yeah. Good that's score. that one shot Dillinger. By the way, uh, <laughs> I, you pull your phone out and say, "This is college." I texted somebody in the know with the Cavaliers yesterday. Oh man! And I said, "I think Mobley." We were saying yesterday that we think Mobley should be shooting three pointers, more three pointers, three to four three pointers a game. A, will that happen? B, do the Cavs believe he's capable? See, you know, is he confident in himself? Yeah. He got, and the response was, and this guy is somebody who knows the team very well. He says it's not going to happen because he has no confidence in his three-point shot. Now, he said the team 100% believes he can be a three-point shooter. What are you talking about? Evan? Yeah, who the hell else would I be talking I about? Follow, follow we just had this conversation <laughs> yesterday, Tyvis. Tyvis forgot what the first topic of the Jeez. show was 12 minutes in and didn't know who you're talking about Dang after dog. the entire monologue so, and his picture. Because he was screen. digging in his phone. And he he was attention. No, I thought he was still talking about this. Well, no. Point, no, no, so no, he does not think it's going to happen, that he's not going to be out one of the four guys because his confidence level is I, low. And the That's shape, what I said yesterday. You did, You and you were right, that, but... He, he did say that the team totally believes in him. It's all about his own confidence. Right. And he, he's got to work on that. Because he does. He, you, you know, know what he got to do? Not give a F. Just shoot it. You know, you know what, you know <laughs> what he should do? It. I don't care if I make it or I'm going to hey, shoot it, though. Here's what he should do. He Next should, thing you know, wet. That comes with the next one. You don't even need to do that. You go down to the Wolstein Center. You talk to my man's and Monty Bates Number and figure two. out how he has no conscience. <laughs> <laughs> None. No remorse. Gee, do you think that that's a DNA trait? Because <laughs> I, I do. That that is definitely a DNA trait. <laughs> like people who people who got that. It, that's a special. Now that could be tra- that could be tricky. You can either turn into a dictator or you can shoot good. Like you don't ever know. You double down. <laughs> I'm du- I I'm, I never have been wrong. But this dude, when he pulling up like that, oh, he's no like he has he don't I, he's not even there. He's, a, he's in he's in purgatory somewhere. He Sometimes he'll even hold the pose. Yeah, and he misses. And, and and it's a step back. He be turning around. I said, bro, that that's Steph Curry tendencies. He he's no turning time. around. Look, I, see, look. that's why I think it's being a shooter is in your DNA. It's there. You, it, I think it is. Now it doesn't mean that you can't learn to be a. A shooter, but a, a, the shooter's mentality it's, is in your DNA or it's not. Why would that bother you though? Like if it, I it, shoot it, it if I, I'm talking about pure as a person, like forever, but you shoot it and miss. First of all, ain't nobody expecting you to make it no way. So no, it, but you playing with house money because that's not that, that ain't. that's not attainable long term. You, You're saying shoot it. We don't care if you miss. Shoot it. If he was 0 for five from three in five straight games. I, I gotta I gotta stand up and say okay can we stop shooting well, threes? Well we'll know wait what what if he went for four? People seek to be liked in life. Twenty five percent isn't it? People seek to be liked liked in life, and if you are doing something and it's not and that's successful, a DNA characteristic. Yes, you you sit there and you're like man I 
I want to do well, so I'm not going to do that because people like like no, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You just brought up the point last year, yesterday that uh, what Brook was it Brook Lopez? No, uh, Brook Brooke Lopez. Lopez. It yeah. was Brook Lopez. Never shot, and then all of a sudden he shot. No, it raised our rod though. He never shot. It, but he's not. He wasn't a good shooter. But, but he, and by the end of his career, he, he was at the end. So was it's he? like this <laughs> kid is much better. See Jason, what I'm saying? Jason Kidd's a good example of that. Jason Kidd was not a good shooter. He's yeah. top ten all time in threes made in NBA. Blake Griffin got a lot better. Blake in Griffin was a it's, dunker. It's, it's, Next it's, thing you know, it's the conviction, boy. <laughs> you, you ever? I, I compare it to dieting, right? When you diet and you lose a couple of pounds, and somebody come up to you and say, "Hey, man, you look like you're working out." That's a drug. You feel good about it. It so is a drug. It gives you more motivation to continue to do what you're doing. Mm. It's just like three-point shots. When you see one of them go in. Oh, my goodness. You're that's like, the oh, that's it. That's, that's all I Oh, I found it. Oh, I found it. <laughs> Look, you're going to be sitting on that wing like this. <laughs> you got uh, super got chats, super Mike. Chats. Those are some we got Miles some super chats we got to get to. <laughs> I mean, you had this upper body shimmy. You were going between the legs. That was it. Uh, let's do some super chats. Threat. Today's super chats are brought to us by FanDuel America's boy. number one sportsbook. If you're like us, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seats on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. Next week, we'll talk a ton about some Super Bowl props that we like. FanDuel has a ton of different ways for help to help you end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score touchdowns, how many total points will be scored, and so much more. Today, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if they hit their first bet of $5 or more. So make sure you visit FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash UCSS to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash UCSS. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. couple super chats to get through. Brody's bottom line says the Rams wide receivers are better than the Bengals. Sly says what? the round. Cooper, the Rams have two really good ones, but Cooper I like the trio in Cincinnati is Cooper pretty Cup strong. Now, the Bengals won't, probably won't have the trio anymore, but no. not – not, I mean, Cooper Cup is go, going backwards. What are you talking about? Sly says the Browns have the playoffs, the Cavs have the playoffs, the Guardians are like, hey, at least we signed Austin Hedges. <laughs> and cookie, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, cookie. that's back. That's World Series. Champion. Champion. Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges. Thank you, Tyvis. Charles T. says, I live overseas. I listen to almost every Cleveland sports show and podcast, even when I was in Afghanistan. Within the Cleveland media, does the competition get heated? Bull, you want to answer that one? No. Does it get heated in terms of what? Like ratings and stuff like that? Man. Yes. Or I don't know like what that means. Blood, like, yeah, there's rivalries. I mean, but I when I was working on the radio, my biggest rivalries – were with the other guys on my station. And that's usually the way it is. <laughs> yeah, like that's usually Earl's the way it is. Because <laughs> so when I went on when I went on the air for the first time when Dustin and I went on the air in August Shout of twenty eleven, there was only one sports station in town at the time, K and R. And I heard them when I drove into town. I remember listening to some of their shows and I said, Oh, they're not competition. They're not any good. So uh, I knew we would kill them in the ratings, so, even though they've been established. So we killed, we 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 got their their afternoon host fired within six months because we killed them in the ratings. And they and from six months till the time I left and through now, K and R has never beaten 
uh, the fan in the M afternoon. McNuggets, like I always tell you, listen, shout yeah. out whoever, whatever television show wants to wants to get this. This is G. Bush's uh, our executive producer. I want all the big wigs in one house. It's a reality TV show. I got Jay. I got uh, I got Bull. I got Dustin Fox. I got uh, Nick. I got all of them. Aaron Goldhammer. Everybody. We, we Andre not come on out of retirement. Everybody yeah. can do anything. Andre's put, not in retirement. He does stuff. I, he, he, he does plenty. I, I, listen, he doesn't I'm doing radio day to day. And I'm going to put oh, y'all yeah, yeah. all in the house, and it's a competition. Y'all got to write monologues. Y'all got to see who can read the news better, who who has who has the best opinion. Y'all got to debate back and but, forth. And y'all going to stay in the house for two weeks, Jay. You got to show up. But if I, you and, and, and Tony Rizzo, I need you and Rizzo one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. and I'm the Don King of this, I, ratings crazy. See, I dismissed everybody on KNR. No offense. What about me? Oh, you because be we there? were killing them. My only my rival was Ken Carmen in the morning. That was my rival. We want black we on two black. More Two more, two I more. wanted to beat Ken in the Raiders. That was all. That was my rivalry. Christian Ortega but, says, "If Watson continues to win, I could care less about his stats. I just want a winning quarterback in Cleveland." And Vigilant Hawk says, "The real question is, how do you have twenty plus accusers and not a solid piece of evidence?" And those are the super chats for today. Someone uh, hit us up during the show during that argument and said, "Oh, we got one more. Sorry, one more came in." Pay his accusers. Does that change anything for you? No, we already knew that. Yeah. Well, we got one that just yeah, came in with ten seconds left. Charles T. Who in Cleveland media would you want to have a celebrity boxing match with? I'm not about to get punched I'm in the face. I'm too old for that nonsense. I'll Gosh. take any of them. I'm young enough. Then I me and Tyvis then. I ain't even. Mm. Oh, yeah. Baseball then boxing. You said you yeah. ever seen Mike Tyson's fights? Cause Cause it's, but it's got to be MMA. Dead. It's got to be wrestling. Uh, <laughs> <see you laughs> <in overtime. laughs> and that's my backbone. See you in overtime. <laughs> hey, listen.